2: what up fightful fam and welcome to one two punch player one shaquille madri player two ferocious farah hanun of mma junkie how's it going
3: doing good doing good i like that yeah we like gotta, alliteration
2: yeah i gotta give everyone here a nickname uh put a little extra sauce on yours because everyone knows we, we've seen it with uh dana white at fight island it's just things get tense when farah is in the room. <laughs>
3: You know what? I might, I might carry that nickname over to the basketball crew, so I'll take that.
2: I love it, and I believe it, and you'll see it when I switch on to the one-shot there. <laughs> um, okay, guys, welcome to the show. Sorry we're on a one-week hiatus. Shaq needed a little vacation, but we're back now. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, thank you, as always, for being here. Thank you for supporting us. If it's your first time, if you hopped on the bandwagon with a over here to help us do what we do welcome this is one two punch it's news talk but with a little bit of a twist we're on a win lose draw system what that means is we're going to talk about the week's biggest winners me i got a break losers Farah, she was probably working and uh we'll draw up a little preview for ufc vegas 18 if i'm not mistaken before we do let me hit this animated intro <laughs> snazzy snazzy stuff Alright cool, just a quick reminder guys, if you can hit subscribe, tap that notification bell, leave a like on this video, small acts where they really go a long way to helping us do what we do over at Fightful MMA, we really appreciate that, uh, chat, hit us up guys, we'll get to all your questions, all your comments, best part is, the more you guys talk, the more I know that this stream hasn't completely fallen apart, I don't have to take these headphones here, stick them to my ear all the time, okay, that's enough of me shilling, let's get to the action, first big winner you know i'm coming back from a vacation where i've tried my best to disconnect a little bit from the mma world without missing an event in between um at least the ufc card and i get back and i'm so happy because i see dustin poirier on my favorite interview show hot ones i come to find out that he's going to be at a super bowl ad with rose Namajunes. um like what a big week i know that there was a big payoff for beating conor mcgregor but this is almost bigger than i expected uh has dustin in your eyes sort of ascended now to like a main brand of the ufc
3: i think so i think so it's just that's what happens kind of when you beat conor mcgregor it, it couldn't have happened to a more deserving guy because when you look at dustin Foyer's career you look at his fights i mean he's one of the most entertaining fighters on the roster he's must watch tv and because maybe mma isn't as mainstream it's getting there slowly but it's not as mainstream as the other sports so maybe He didn't have the eyes that he deserved in his wins over Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Dan Hooker, all those amazing fights that he's entertained us with. So if people are going to tune into Dustin now, if we're talking about casual, casuals, outside fans, if they're going to tune into Dustin now, since he's beaten Conor McGregor, why not? I mean, he's the perfect guy to watch. He's kind of like one of the perfect representatives of MMA, right? Uh, He's just a stand-up guy. He's got his foundation. He's an incredible fighter, super fun to watch. So he kind of ticks all the boxes. Uh, Good for Dustin.
2: It is it is truly a great thing to see, and probably one of the nicest guys in the sports. You love to see it happen to him. Um, what do you think the UFC does with him at this point? I mean, it's it's got to be a lightweight title shot, without a doubt, but there was a lot of talk, I feel like, going into the fight that the UFC wants Connor to win. Do you think they're going to be able to do something meaningful with Dustin in terms of establishing him as a superstar?
3: You know what? The thing is, it's like people are talking about a trilogy. I mean, Connor wants it. Connor is super competitive. That's who he is. We saw what happened when he lost the Diaz fight and he was really gunning for that Diaz rematch. That's just who he is as a competitor. I know a lot of people are looking at his statement as excuses or not, but that's just who he is as a fighter. And Dustin seems interested. That's, that's the thing about it. Uh, like Dustin seems like he wants that fight. So it's a bit crazy to think that they might slap on a title for a trilogy considering that Connor is coming off of loss and you've got uh, Charles Oliveira, you've got Michael Chandler who had a good win, but at the end of the day, it, like we've seen crazier things, so I wouldn't be that surprised, especially that Dustin is down for it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a trilogy, and and for for Dustin, I mean, there's a storyline. It's one one. It's the biggest fight possible. I think it did 1.6 million pay per view buys, which is, uh, I think, tied mm-hmm. for McGregor Diaz two. Yeah, that's huge, and um, that's right behind just the Habib one, uh, the McGregor Habib one. So. Uh, I mean, Dustin seems to want it. I mean, Dustin isn't shy to say that he kind of wants th- to be paid, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he's not shy about saying that. That He's been saying that a lot. He's fought the who's who. He's had incredible performances, and he just felt like he wasn't being properly rewarded for it. So if he gets an opportunity, like, for him, if you tell him title fight, Connor again, biggest pay-per-view fight, there's one-one, there's a story, all the eyes, it's like win-win-win for Dustin. Maybe the fans won't like it. Charles Oliveira certainly won't like it. But... <laughs> I think uh, for for Dustin, it's a win-win-win situation. I'm definitely for Conor McGregor, it is. So I wouldn't be entirely shocked if that's what happened.
2: I gotta say, I love to see it. When you think of uh, the nicest people in MMA, Dustin Poirier, Rose Namajunas, I think, come to mind. So I like seeing them get this shine. I'm going to go to Joseph Boz in the chat real quick. He says, Dustin is a great guy who is getting shafted because Dana is obsessed with Habib versus Conor too. The lightweight division is a mess. Look at next week's pay-per-view. DeBronx versus Chandler was in talks, but Bronx said no. Okay, l- let's let's dissect that a bit. I think at this point, we saw after uh, the pay per view that Dana White finally kind of conceded to the fact that <laughs> Habib isn't coming back, and it was, it was actually refreshing honesty from Dana because he said, like, you know what, I was the one really trying to push for it to make it happen, and. It, Every time he said, oh, Habib will do it, Habib will do it, I at least had a lot of skepticism. It was kind of nice seeing him sort of finally uh, let that one go, at least for the time being. But what do you make of the lightweight picture? Because Dustin says he wants to be the champion. He doesn't want to have to fight Chandler. Um, you know, let Chandler and DuBronx sort of duke it out for a number one contender spot. Um, I actually think lightweight's in a ways more exciting than ever because now with Habib gone... It's wide open. You could see Justin Gaethje be champ. You could see Dustin Poirier became champ. How do you envision the lightweight picture sort of shaping up over the next 11 months, let's say?
3: I think the idea of Dustin wanting to wait, it's a little bit intelligent on his part because if he waits, then the possibility of the uh, McGregor trilogy happening, uh, like him waiting is just him kind of waiting to see if it's going to happen if Chandler... Clearly, we saw the UFC wanting to do Chandler and Oliveira. If they do that fight, Dustin could be like, all right, I'll fight the winner. For him, Chandler will be more established if he beats Oliveira, because he wasn't Mm -hmm. too convinced after just beating Dan Hooker. And if Charles Oliveira wins, I mean, he's already on an impressive run. So I think for Dustin Poirier, he doesn't mind the waiting game. He's made some good money. He's getting some good opportunities outside of the octagon. So he doesn't mind waiting to kind of see if the UFC are going to go the direction of the trilogy. If they don't, then... He can just either fight, if they match up Oliveira and, and Chandler, he can just fight the winner. If they don't, if they decide to throw Gaethje and Oliveira and the UFC decide to put, whatever it is, waiting is not the worst thing in the world for mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier because it, it increases his chances of getting the McGregor trilogy. I think that's what it is. I can't speak for him, but I, I believe that that's kind of what it is. Kind of Because with McGregor, you never know what he's going to do. Is he going to go box? Is he, like, if McGregor doesn't get the Poirier trilogy, if he doesn't get the title fight, Is he going to go box? Is he going to fight one of those top contests? You don't know. He's such a wild card. So that's why I think the waiting game is what Dustin Poirier is doing. Because then if the trilogy doesn't happen, I mean, we know he's not ducking anybody. That's crazy to even say that. But for him, I think it's just a matter of let's not rush and fight an Oliver Chandler because I might lose out on this massive McGregor trilogy.
2: For sure. Uh, I mean, personally, in terms of just what's best for everyone, I'd like to see Conor take a bit of a step down in competition. A Nate Diaz, maybe a Tony Ferguson. Just give him a chance to sort of get his bearings. Um, I I will say, though, Michael Chandler, what an exciting addition that was. Like, as much as I love Dan Hooker, there's nothing like coming in, champ from another organization, making that sort of impact to really shake things up. I I think lightweight's going to be super exciting. Um, All right, I'm going to throw it to you now. Are there any other winners you would like to highlight before uh, I try and figure out another one? the slow I'm slow thing that... Jake Paul right he's going to be he's yeah. going to beat the stuff out of Ben Askren oh,
3: man. I, I hate having to even say that Jake Paul is, is is a winner this week but he he's kind of dominating the headlines right it's, right? it's the worst thing in the world but, but you know what as, as bad as like or I might get hate for saying this he's putting himself out there isn't this what this game is about mm-hmm. right like it's it's he's putting himself out there look at the end of the day he's talking all that Crap. I know he's not fighting a boxer. I mean, it was, Clay Collar did an did a interview with my colleague, Danny Segura, and he was like, this is embarrassing. He's like, this is fake. This is like, he, want, like, he hated it. And there's a lot of people who feel that way. But at the end of the day, he's he's like dominating the headlines. He's grabbing all our attention, as bad as it sounds. He's doing something right. And yeah, he's not fighting a boxer. He may have picked the MMA fighter who's most accomplished, most popular, but doesn't have the stand-up to yeah. go with it. But let, let, I don't even know what's gonna happen in that like fight or match. Like I, I'm probably gonna watch it because like well, uh, I, like I don't even know. You what to, how could not? How
2: could you not? Yeah,
3: I don't even know what to expect in that in that uh, boxing match. Like honest to God, like I'm so curious to see what
2: Ben. Asker's I I really do. think Jake Paul can win, and I I really I, I'm not proud to say it, but I really think <laughs> yeah. it's possible. Um, you know, let's let's dissect that a little bit though, because it's interesting when we talk about Jake Paul putting himself out there now. Jake Paul's form of entertainment Isn't necessarily my cup of tea But you can't deny that there's a market for it I mean, he's he's an enormous YouTuber Him and his brother Logan Paul But beyond that What this teaches me As well as examples like Mike Perry, Henry Cejudo Is it doesn't take a lot to connect with an MMA audience because the reality is we're kind of starved for entertaining personalities. Um, and you sort of saw a, a post McGregor era where everyone and their mom wanted to trash talk and throw out names and like, it's something, but the reality is it's like, you don't need to go out there and be low brow. I think you just need to show some sort of personality. Like the fact that Henry Cejudo can get as much traction as he does for calling out women and making statements that we all know including him are totally tongue-in-cheek and untrue like we're starved for anyone who's michael chandler he doesn't cut a tremendous promo but he went out there and he cut a damn promo and people were receptive to it so i think the lesson here if anything is guys just put yourself out there just put yourself out there Whatever you are, whoever you are, just crank it up a bit. You know, it's something I have to learn. It's what all of us do in the media. We're just sort of extend, you know, like uh, amplified versions of ourselves. And I hope fighters kind of take this as a lesson of if Jake Paul can do it, if Henry Cejudo can do it, I can probably do it, too. You know what I mean? Yeah,
3: absolutely. I and mean, look at Dylan Dennis. I think he's like the perfect, perfect example. example. A, yeah. Yeah. He's He's like he manages to get. Under everyone's skin, like look at the stuff he says. He always leaves comments under like every fighter's Instagram, being <laughs> like, "But you didn't beat me." Like if someone go, yeah, like he just like he's he's getting everybody so riled up, and it's so easy for him. And he has kind of a stoic face. He's not even like yeah. like when you look at him in his interviews and stuff like that. It's not like it's some clown actor or something. He's got a pretty stoic face, and he just knows how to get under people's skin. They they think he's absolutely ridiculous. He pisses them off and whatnot. But at the end of the day, he ma- he hasn't even fought in. How long has it been? I know he's he had surgery, but it, the fact that he's been able to keep his name in the headlines when he's only 2-0 in MMA and he hasn't even fought in a year plus, yeah. that's somebody that knows how to stay relevant.
2: For sure. And we see it everywhere. Like, uh, Let's take the Schmo, for example. Like, Now, don't get it twisted. The Schmo, one of the hardest working guys I've met in this industry. He's a terrific interviewer. He asks good questions. He's researched. He All of his success is based on the hard work he fundamentally does. But he has a gimmick. He has something to help, because there are a lot of great people in this industry, you and I both know them that don't get as much credit as they deserve. The schmo, he found, and it's not a uh, sort of a gimmick that we haven't seen before. Nardwar, a uh, music, uh, music reporter out of Vancouver, does in some ways a shim- similar shtick, but it's just the fact that like fans are looking for something, something beyond just... QA and the schmo is fundamentally an awesome awesome reporter interviewer journalist i don't know what he considers himself but on top of that like he found something he found a way to separate himself from the pack so yeah I, i hope more people in our industry fighters all around sort of take some nods from that and find ways to help distinguish themselves okay one more winner before we move on to unfortunately to our losers of the week uh, Paige Van Zant, Knuckle Mania, BKFC, Super Bowl weekend. It's going down tonight. She, I remember when she first made the transition from UFC to Bear Knock, Everyone thought, okay, maybe she'll go to uh, one championship. Maybe she'll go join her husband, Austin Vanderford, in Bellator. But no, we see her in BKFC, and a lot of people were crapping all over the idea. She's going to get hurt. This is a sidestep. This is a downgrade um, I always said, you know, listen, go go secure your bag. We always complain that fighters don't make enough money in this industry. If you found somewhere where you feel like you can be... Comp- and here's the reality. BKFC, uh, if you're not into bare knuckle, whatever, but they're smart. They understand how to select stars and, and give them winnable fights, right? Like, they're not in the business of the UFC where you put the top guy as the top guy every time. They're going to try and build the people that they're investing into. And so Paige Van Zant comes out this week and says she's making 10 times what she was in the UFC. Uh, before we actually get down to the pros there, do you think that number is accurate?
3: Maybe not 10, but something tells me she's probably making more than she would have at Battle Tour 1. Because yeah. I was honestly a little surprised. Like the bare Knuckle, I, I don't know how I feel about Bare Knuckle, man. Like, but, but the thing is... <laughs> uh, Paige, like kind of her her thing in the USC, She may have not won every fight, but she's always been super tough. That's one thing that nobody can deny about mm-hmm. Paige. They could say what they want about her, but that's one thing she she showed in the Rose Namajunas fight. Like she she's super super tough. So I think when you take that into consideration, um, I could see the whole bare knuckle thing. I don't know how I feel about the the, the sport in general, if if I want to call it that, but it does appear that she's probably getting paid more. Uh, or got the best offer from Baronocco than One or Bellator or whoever Mm -hmm. uh, gave her the
2: call. What do you think the lesson is here? Because for me, Paige looks to be happy, which I think is of the utmost importance. She appears to be getting paid substantially more than she was in the UFC, and she's somewhere now where she's going to be treated like a star. We're seeing more promotions uh, pop up. One championship, shockingly, is going to have a show on TNT, a bunch of shows on TNT, including one with Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnston on the card. What do you think the lesson is here for sort of how the landscape of combat sports is changing in a, in a space that is still dominated very much by the UFC, but seems to have more players?
3: Oh well, yeah, it's nice, because I was just actually looking at the the PFL, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, rosters and stuff, and it's fun. Like, featherweight especially, I love. Like, that that got me, like... I just took a look, and I was, like, super pumped up. Like, the featherweight uh, division especially is is phenomenal. Like, with uh, – you've got Tyler Diamond's a great uh, uh, addition. Bobby Jenkins. Bobby Jenkins is a great personality if, if people aren't too familiar with him. Like, he's a guy that doesn't get the shine that he deserves. So, he's coming here, and he feels like this is a nice uh, platform for him. And then you've got Lance Farmer, back-to-back champ. Like, so many phenomenal uh, uh, fighters. Brendan Lochney, like, he's a guy who didn't get the contract on Dana White's here. He's, like – there are just so many guys, uh, the, uh, great guys at PFL. So it's nice to see the talent dis- distributed. Uh, oh, and Bellator are doing a good job of building a lot of the young guys. like a lot of like. It's the, starting to pay off, Divi-
2: isn't it? AJ McKee right. is an a- example that jumps out of the page.
3: Exactly, and uh, you see a lot of uh, like Division One wrestlers that recently made the transition to MMA, and they're kind of debuting in Bellator and building themselves there. So it's good to see. Uh, the town distributed. These guys may not get the shine at two and o, three and 0, but eventually, people are going to pay attention when they when they get that one fight against a notable name or something like that, the ex UFC fighter or whatever. Then people will start tuning in. Uh, but yeah, like it's interesting. It's nice to see the town distributed. Uh, even, even if sometimes those guys may not get the recognition that they deserve, but they eventually do at, at some point, depending on who they fight.
2: All right. Um, and I'm just going to hit the chat real quick uh, They say they wanted Paige so badly That she is main-, main eventing over a title fight for The lightweight championship It's the right call Paige is the biggest star this week without a doubt And I don't know I don't think every promotion should be stuck To the UFC formula of you know The higher weight class title Always main events Over the lower weight class title And also Conor McGregor um, You got to lean into who you invest in So shout out to them for doing that Okay, are there any other winners you would like to highlight before we move on to the losers of the week?
3: Trying to think of the top of my head. Uh, Nothing at the top of my head.
2: Okay, let's do it. Quick reminder, guys. Subscribe, notification bell, like button. Leave us a super chat donation if you're feeling oh so generous. That would be lovely. All right, first loser, and this actually just popped into my head. But it's me, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't know why I just thought of this, but... Um, back before I started covering MMA, my first... I, I, I am still and was an uh, entertainment media. And I sort of started dabbling in MMA by hosting a podcast with Cajun Johnson, former UFC lightweight, and I brought that over to Bloody Elbow. Point being, you know, uh, the nice thing about having a fighter as your co-host is once in a while they have some information that pe- the general public isn't privy to. So Cajun hits me up one day and he says... Uh, Hey, Shaq, I'm going to be fighting Islam Makhachev. We should break the story. And I say, cool, let's break that story. I'm stoked. Great way to get some traction out there. And I said, can I go live with it? He's like, no, no, I got to wait until the contracts are signed. Not like four hours later, do I see the person across the screen from me with a tweet breaking the news. (laughs) and stealing I what even...
3: <laughs> i don't even remember that that's the funny thing that... i was trying to think is that me
2: <laughs> well listen when you're constantly out there doing great works of mma journalism i'm sure you forget some of them what do you have to say for yourself <laughs> I...
3: <laughs> the fact that i don't even remember it but i guess i apologize i had a feeling the way kept, like, saying <laughs> the time, that you know what that's happened to me so many times so so i guess I guess I deserve it when it happened to me for
2: doing it, too. That's you the game. That's the game. Uh, now it's just you and Mike Bond constantly. Uh, or Sorry, uh, Nolan King competing with all of his, between you and all of his uh, Bellator updates, left, right, and center. No, that's right. I don't know why that just sprung into my head, but it did. Okay. In reality, let's talk about our losers of the week. The first one that kind of comes to my mind, unfortunately, because it's a bit of a slow week. I'm not really up to date with what's happening with Tito Ortiz, but it appears that the city council people are trying to get him booted off of his role as a politician uh, in Huntington Beach, California. Now, I know you're not too familiar with the (laughs) politics of Huntington Beach as a Canadian, neither am I. (laughs) But what's the lesson here you think, for anyone, for any sort of celebrity who wants to parlay their fame into politics like is it as easy as everyone appears to be because we always crap on politicians oh they don't do anything but then i look at this situation and i'm like maybe tito's not cut out for it
3: you know what because if if it's a publicity stunt for you then it's not gonna work out if you're you've got to be passionate about it that's Mm -hmm. the thing so i feel like a lot of these celebs aren't actually passionate about making a change or whatever their goals are i think it's just more of a publicity stunt so the fact that i keep seeing tito's name uh, appear in that boheshinia depo Depot, Depot <laughs> yes, page or whatever that yeah yeah shout out that that's when i know something is going wrong so i'm not following this politics. i don't understand the first thing of what he's doing or i think beat california or whatever but like uh the fact that i keep seeing him pop up on that twitter page that's when i know he's not something's going wrong
2: Now, is there anything you noticed in the week in terms of people who might not having the best one? I got one that comes to mind, but I'd like to throw to you first.
3: Well, I think you and I discussed that a bit Mm off-camera, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, doing himself no favors making a statement like that. I love how everyone went after him, though, all the fighters. That, that, That was great, though.
2: So when you look at this, like, is this the sort of thing that hurt Stephen A. Smith's public image, because I feel like, and granted, I don't watch a lot of his content, but at this point...
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day.
2: In the brief relationship that the UFC and Stephen A. Smith have had, it kind of feels like it's just his role to say crazy, inflammatory, uneducated things about sports.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean he's not he's no MMA expert. And I think people get annoyed at him regardless of what his take is. So for him, I don't know if it was intended he know he'll know the backlash by saying something like yeah. that. I mean, he's he's not stupid. So I think for him uh to 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 make a statement like that if he's getting people to tune in for all the wrong reasons I guess but if they're if they're listening to him and and listening to it because obviously he's got a big name I mean I've listened to his basketball takes a lot but um the fact that he's making something like he it'll take him years to really understand the sport of MMA you can't just roll in like I, I I'm not gonna go like watch baseball and start making takes like I act like I know what I'm talking about so with him it's like he got a lot of people riled up. Uh, he's he has to have known, even if he truly believes that, he has to have known that it was gonna rile people up. So if that was his intention, then then he succeeded.
2: Yes, yes, that's basically Stephen A. Smith's game. It was it's always fun though to see the way uh, fighters and people in the industry take shots at him after these sort of statements come out. And and I guess from one poor take about women MMA to another. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, heroin lover Sean O'Malley and uh, Casey Kenny, who, in the biggest position of his entire MMA career, comes out with the most tone deaf statement of all time. Uh, I've heard a lot of men in the industry have their opinion on the matter. I have my own, but I think it's important to get your take on, uh, you know, Casey and Sean and company talking about whether or not they'd have sex with megan anderson and uh megan anderson's reply what did you sort of make of the situation
3: you know obviously it was a shame to hear that because i met casey uh, on Fight island very nice. he, he flew yeah. he, very nice guy he fought had a great fight flew back to arizona flew back to, to fight island which was really cool to see he Had two wins within 10 days built a ton of momentum so he's on the right track doing all that stuff this is like boys talk like, trust me like i grew up around guys on the basketball court and stuff so i know boys talk but you're being filmed. That's what you need to understand. Like you, I know. Like boys, when they're sitting with each other, they'll say all this stupid shit all the time. Excuse my language. So I know they'll say stuff like uh, amongst each other. But you know you're being filmed, and yeah. it was one of those moments. Like I want to look cool in front of the camera. It's it's kind of it's the whole Stephen A. Smith thing again. It's like you know, like if you're gonna say something like that, there are repercussions. Even if you say it, like if I say something, like I just said, excuse my language. If that was really that big of a problem, but that's my point. If you say something like you have a chance to backtrack, but instead you laugh about it, you think you're cool you're doing a podcast, you're chilling. I don't know if they were smoking up or whatever they were yeah. doing. It's like, you, you know you know what you're saying is stupid. So it's like, don't be surprised when you get backlash. Uh, we all say stupid stuff. And I know this is like a boys kind of sit down and, and whatnot, and boys will say stupid stuff amongst each other. But uh, you guys are USC fighters. Sean has a great following on, on his podcast. You know people are watching. You're going to say something stupid. You're going to offend Megan like that on camera don't act shocked that you're going to get a major backlash sure. out of it.
2: For sure. And, um, you know, I, I guess for Sean, perhaps he, he's on the podcast every week. It's his show. Um, You and I know as, as media professionals, like it's hard to be in front of a microphone all the time and, and not say something, something that's going to get you in trouble once in a while. But I think this is beyond what well, we will. I have my thoughts on the actual like social implications and what should and shouldn't be said, but UFC give these guys some media training like I I'm sure you know like you said they're in a casual environment they're comfortable they probably know one another they might be smoking up they might not but I think it's easy for these fighters to forget they don't have publicists you know I'm doing an interview with a, a Australian DJ named Alison Wonderland the other day wonderful girl uh her publicist is on the call and her manager is on the call so in the event that I ask something inappropriate or if, you know, I want to know about the album release and she's not sure if she can say it, she asks people she can kind of refer to there. These guys need someone to give them some basic understanding of uh, on-camera etiquette. Either way, don't say it. Like you said, boys talk. We we all say things that we shouldn't say when we are in the comfort of people we know. Uh, Doesn't make it any better, but if you're gonna say it, Wait until the microphone's turned off.
3: Exactly. I, I felt like they it was kind of a we're so cool kind of moment mm-hmm. and it completely backfired.
2: Yeah, well, shout out to Megan Anderson. I will give... You know what? If anything, though, I love Megan's reply. If anything, shout out to Megan Anderson for standing up for herself, for not giving anyone a pass on it. Uh, in, in some ways, I feel like this might have... And I don't know. Maybe I'm a little more progressive than a lot of MMA fans, but it boosted Megan Anderson's profile in my eyes to see the way she conducted herself after the fact.
3: Yeah. And and like, she has every right to, mm-hmm. to be upset. You know what I mean? Like you can't, I'm seeing a lot of like different takes on her overreacting or over, like she's entitled to react the way she wants to react. Yeah. Like she was offended. It's not like, it's not right for them to say that. Some people might not get offended. Some people might, but if you're going to say something that stupid, you have to understand that it's going to offend a lot of people
2: for sure okay um do you have any other losers you would like to highlight before we move on to our uh draw of the week or or, sorry our preview show because i feel like those are probably the biggest losers to highlight
3: yeah those definitely i mean i i feel like jake paul can be a winner and a loser right if that's
2: his whole life i think
3: (laughs) (laughs) shout out to jake paul
2: shout out to jake paul a lot more successful than i am making good money athletic and shape handsome All all the power Jake Paul. Okay, let's do this, guys. One last reminder. Got to do this between every segment. (laughs) Like, subscribe, notification bell. Super chat, chat, all that good stuff, you know, by now. Okay, let's do a little bit of a UFC Vegas 18 preview as we start wrapping up. Um, I I don't want to do predictions, stuff like that. I think everyone and their granddaughter does them. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about some of the storylines going into this fight. Alistair Overeem. Shockingly, him and Andre Orlovsky just seem to be able to put together winning streaks on a whim. Um, I think they've sort of discovered a risk adverse point based style. I mean, granted, Overing got the finish in his last fight, but generally speaking, they found out how to avoid a lot of damage en route to winning a fight. And I commend them because these legends are making good money. They're making six figure contracts. So I love what Overeem's been doing. I love what Arlovsky's been doing, even if it's not always the most exciting. But Overeem, in interviews, ever since his last fight, has sort of said, this is probably my last big run. I want to be UFC heavyweight champion. Um, And I know this is kind of my final crack at it. Realistically, is this a total pipe dream? Is it wrong to count Overeem out? Does he have championship potential where he's at right now?
3: The only issue I have is is right now you've got Stipe and Francis who are fighting for the title and you've got John Jones booming. So he's got kind of three super, I know John Jones is a big question mark at heavyweight, but you've got three of the toughest kind of challenges. But let's not forget when he fought Stipe, he dropped him and almost finished him. Who knows if he went for the ground and pound, not the submission, what would have happened. So it's the heavyweight division. That's what it is for me. If it was any other division, Uh, I don't know how I'd feel, but the heavyweight division, the fact that one shot could end it all, especially as diverse of a striker as Overeem is, it's interesting, and Mm -hmm. he brings grappling. And if you're talking about Francis individually as a matchup, the fact that Overeem has kind of tamed his approach since he's moved to Elevation Fight Team, worked on it. I love that after he lost to Curtis Blades, he took that as kind of a way to go to Elevation Fight Team and train with Curtis Blades. The fact that he's got that type of learning mentality says a lot about him and his ability to continue bouncing back and that's why he's been able to stay at the top for so long because a lot of people, the way he got beat by Curtis Blades would probably not do a move like that. So it was very admirable to see him do that and, and go and learn from those guys at, at elevation. So it, it's interesting, like anything can happen, happen at heavyweight. It's tough matchups, whether you're talking about A Francis, or I don't know how John Jones is going to jump in and fit into the picture. So he's definitely got his work cut out for him in terms of the upper echelon of the division. Uh, Curtis Blades is there, of course. He's about to fight Derrick Lewis. Uh, not, never say never. It's not yeah. impossible. Because like I said, with heavyweights, like one punch, one kick could change everything. So uh, it's going to be hard, but never say never.
2: Yeah, I think beyond uh, the big challenges presented to him at the top of the division you mentioned, Francis, Stipe, possibly John Jones. When I'm looking at the rankings, I feel like there's a bit of an uncomfortable logjam because Stipe and Francis are going to fight, I think, April. And then you've got John Jones waiting in the wings. And when you look at who's ahead of Overeem, you've got Curtis Blades, who he probably won't fight now that they're teammates. Um, you've got Rosenstreich, who is fighting Cyril Gan. Uh And I'd, that, I think, is probably a rematch you can make, but it just feels like. There are a lot of log jams between Overeem and the title right now, where there's guys he's already fought and lost to. Like, I, I don't know if, like, I don't know how Curtis Blades and Alistair Overeem will ever get a title shot if Francis Nganu's the champion, right? Because Blades has lost so many times, and the Overeem knockout is just, will live in highlight reels forever. So I, I feel like time might sort of be Overeem's biggest enemy here.
3: No, I agree. I agree. Um, it's just, yeah, especially with John Jones jumping into the mix as well. I mean, Serial Gann is a guy like if he can go in there and put Rosenstruck away quick. I mean, he's a guy that is easily marketable, and they could build yeah. up undefeated, super talented. I would put him uh, out I'm of Overeem
2: very, in the rankings too.
3: Right, I'm very high on Serial Gann. He's he's like the nicest, most humble guy as well. So he's another fresh face. Tom Aspinall is like mm-hmm. on the rise. If he can beat a name like Arlovsky, so you've got. Uh, fresh young blood on the rise as well so yeah that could make it a little bit hard uh, for Overeem but uh, yeah. never uh, I guess say never. it'll matter never ma- say- yeah, I guess it'll matter who wins what yeah. uh, in, in these matchups
2: okay uh, last thing on the main event what do we make of Alexander Volkov what is his role in the heavyweight division because there was a time where he beat Fabrizio Verdum and you know uh, until he wasn't looked like he was about to beat Derek Lewis on a enormous card of habib versus uh connor and put himself in line for a heavyweight title shot we haven't really seen that happen um what is sort of his role is he a gatekeeper at this point is he a contender is he a future champ what is sort of your you know quick sort of uh superficial analysis of volkov's role in this division
3: I wouldn't call him a gatekeeper. I just think it's going to take him a little longer to get to the top than the rest because of all these names that we've mentioned and all these storylines. He may not have the biggest name as well. So I think with him, if he – because he, he's he got a lot of finishes on his resume. If he continues putting guys away, uh, it's all about the right matchup and where he falls. But I think for him, it's just going to be a little bit of a slower climb uh, than the rest because there's just so many – kind of little storylines going, going on with John Jones, Overeem trying to make a final run, uh, Cyril Gannon and Rosenstruck fighting, Tom Aspinall on the rise. So I, I think like maybe I can, I can see them putting him like against if, if Cyril, be, uh, I can see him putting him against the winner of Cyril and, and, and Rosenstruck, something like that. But I just feel like his climb is going to be a little bit uh, slower th- than the rest. But I don't see it as an impossible narrative that he gets to the top. I just think it's gonna take him a little bit longer the, than the
2: rest i think that's fair okay uh, and i agree with you completely so i think i'll leave it at that um last couple things uh main card fight I lightweight michael johnson versus clay guida wow man michael johnson one of the it's weird anytime his name comes up you see almost like a smile of pity from people because there was so much potential right this was the guy who at one point Beat Edson Barboza. Knocked out Dustin Poirier. And then just, you know, the Habib fight happened, and it's been almost entirely downhill from there. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Josh Emmett KO loss. Stevie Ray majority decision loss. Uh, Thiago Moises submission loss. Is this possibly his last fight? Should he lose? And what about Clay Guida? Two-fight losing streak, 39. Basically been fighting before the UFC existed, it feels like. Um... Is this a double retirement fight? Like, wh- where do you sort of see these guys at?
3: I wouldn't say retirement for Michael Johnson. Is Is it? Is his back against the wall? Could he get released by the UFC? For sure, if he loses. But, man, like, you look at his losses, they're so heartbreaking. Like, even the KO loss to Emmett, he was winning that fight. The Moises fight, he was winning that fight and got caught in the submission. Majority decision, very close fight with Stevie Ray. So, he's got a lot of those kind of heartbreaking losses, Michael Johnson. So, it's just very unfortunate. Uh that that's what his record looks like because i think he's a lot more talented than than his record shows i think he still has a lot left in him it's i think it's been a lot mental like mentally for him more than it is his actual skills mm-hmm. Guido, on the other hand i i don't know exactly where his head head is at uh i can see him sticking around at the i don't see him going anywhere else i think he just yeah. sticks around in the ufc as long as he can i don't know if they let him go uh because he's he's got a big name and he's been at the USC, like, he's been with the USC forever. Like, we saw, like, I think Jim Miller at one point was on a four-fight losing streak, right, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Like, Maybe yeah, so you, like, th- those guys, like, they'll, I feel like they'll they'll let them stick around a little bit longer. Andre Arlovsky as well wasn't he on a four-five or something like that fight losing streak as well. Those guys, the bigger names, will have more life in the UFC, I believe. We don't know what's happening with Junior Dos Santos. I don't know mm-hmm. if he uh, was part of the purge or not, but... Yeah, I think those uh, those guys get a little bit more life. I think uh, Michael Johnson might have his back against the wall a little bit more.
2: Yeah, and it's you, you know we talk about Clay Guida. I I just don't know if I could ever see that man in as as so long as he's not balding, I don't see Clay Guida retiring. The dude's been fighting since I was in elementary school. Uh, that that blows my mind. Uh, last thing I want to talk about. Regarding Saturday's card, Corey Sandhagen, Frankie Edgar. To me, this is the biggest card on the fight. Uh, I think this should be the main event. Um, who has more to lose here? Corey Sandhagen is like, you know, you kind of look at it perhaps as Frankie's last real shot. A push for a title. Corey Sandhagen, so much potential. Uh, it bounced back nicely after sort of temporarily being derailed by Aljamain Sterling. Um, do you think Corey Sandhagen? has more to lose in the sense that his stock might not recover. The hype kind of dies here. Or do you think Frankie Edgar has more to lose in the sense that this is really his last big run for, uh, getting that elusive second, second title, second division title. Yeah.
3: I actually think Corey has more to lose because Frankie Edgar has been there, done that. He's had an incredible career, bounced around weight classes. The guy has shown us that he could compete with the best on numerous occasions. I know he's very competitive, and I know he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't think he could compete with the best, but at the end of the day, Frankie Edgar's career is already written. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the fact that he's always been undersized, even at bantamweight, it's like no matter what weight class he's competing at, he's always severely undersized. I think Pedro Munoz was like the, one of the very rare fights where he may have had a bit of a high advantage, but you look at him against Corey San Diego, most of his fights, like the size difference in him and Brian Ortega when they fought at featherweight, I think Corey has more to lose because the loss, like you said, to Aljamain kind of derailed it a bit. Then he bounced back very nicely against Marlon Moraes. But I feel like if he loses to Frankie, because he is a sizable favorite, I think maybe minus 300 or something like that, people are high on him again. If he loses against, no shame in losing against Frankie Edgar because he's a legend and everything, but people aren't looking at Frankie as the same Frankie that he was at his prime. So I think if he loses to Frankie, it'll be a real big step back for, for Corey Sanhagen, especially that A lot of people are dubbing him as a future champion. So I think it actually hurts Corey Santay more, in my opinion.
2: I agree. I I think in a lot of, and you know, if you, like you said, if you just look at the odds, when someone's favorite, I think there's sort of more expectations on them. Um, Okay, this is the last thing I want to get to. You're a busy woman. I want to let you get back uh, to MMA junkie, or I'm going to put the one shot on you, the basketball court. All right, (laughs) here, right above zero social life. That was her comment, not mine. It says, basketball superstar. Farah, I know you spend a lot of your time on the basketball courts. Where do you rank amongst the pound-for-pound MMA media list when it comes to the game of B-Ball?
3: Honestly, I'm confident I could take on anybody, especially if you're talking about a jump shooting competition. I am going to put my money where my mouth is. I don't feel like any single media member or anyone, period, can probably take me in a jump shooting contest. So I'm, I'm that confident in my jump shot. If we're talking about just a one-on-one game, I'm still confident in, in my ability. So I'll to, I know Ariel plays some ball. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play with Mike Vaughn. I know he plays, but they took the court away from us on Fight Island this time around. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to...
2: I was to, just about to ask, leave. is there a basketball court on Fight Island?
3: The first... Uh, when I went last time in September, October, there was. And then they took it away this time because we were kind of just locked into the hotel. So... Uh, unfortunately it wasn't there but yeah i I feel like i could take on any media member bring it on i've
2: got a challenge for you next time you get there i want to see you play a game of horse with one of the big headliners on the cards there and uh, every time they get a letter they have to answer a question honestly no matter what the question is
3: that's so funny that you say that because that is exactly what i had planned and it completely crumbled
2: who who, who, can i know who was going to be with
3: uh why well, I, I was i was gonna definitely do it with joaquin buckley because i actually have like a cool story of how i kind of got to properly meet him on the basketball court we played two, two on two actually him and i versus his coaches and we kind of dominated them hey. so he, he can ball so so i know he can ball i would have loved to do it with the other players, but i'm not sure if they can play like i was looking at the main and co i don't think dan hooker chander mcgregor if i could have or you'll, you'll just have to
2: get some good answers out of them then easy money right
3: exactly yeah I think that would have been way too easy money like for me because I, I like I said I feel like I could put my jump shot against anybody so at least I'd want somebody to give me a bit of a chat tra- I know Corey Sanhagen kind of plays but he didn't want to be out in the sun he's <laughs> like his son's way too brutal back then Rose Yuna seems like a hell of a baller so I'd love to, to okay, like maybe do that I love it I hope
2: to it. see that happen that's a great idea you should definitely follow through with that when you can okay Next time, hopefully. um i mean i think everyone who's here knows where they can find your work but is there anything you want to inform the people about
3: uh no just uh M- mma junkie i i do still run my instagram page uh ufc news alerts so it's, it's a lot of effort but i just kind of feel like i owe it to, to my followers that have helped me kind of through this uh this journey so i kind of Although it can get very hectic running that page, especially that I have so much to juggle, uh, I still kind of feel like I owe it to them. Although I gain absolutely nothing from it, but um, I still love to to do it. I, I have a lot of contact with a lot of great people from there. So yeah, just UFC news alerts or on Twitter or uh, my personal Instagram is not too important, but my Twitter or or, or 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 my MMA junkie or the MMA junkie YouTube channel. You can find my interviews there.
2: Is your uh, personal Instagram private or is it is it open to the no, public? To no, no.
3: <laughs> it, it it is open to the public to creep i didn't want to do it i actually hid behind like my USC Newsletters account for like the first three or four years of starting this uh uh like mma uh reporting career so yeah it took me a while to to, to break i didn't know there. that was you
2: until just now That's a funny. lot of
3: people don't know until today a lot of people don't know that it's me i still get dude and bro all the time so That's i still answer funny. i'm like I answer them. I don't correct them.
2: But Yeah, I, I once in a while fear I should start making, like, my personal stuff private before. Because, like, my boss, Sean Ross Sap, like, people DM his wife to complain about him, and it's just, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Crazy. Yeah,
3: yeah it's, it, well, that's the thing. If it ever gets bad, I'll just hit the private button. All
2: right, sounds good. O- only Shaq, and only Shaq gets to the follow there. Okay, Farah, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure having you. I know a lot of people were DMing me. They were so excited to know you're joining me, so I appreciate You, you know, giving me a little bit of the rub with the star power there.
3: No, are you kidding me? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All
2: right. Uh, Thank you to everyone. One last reminder, guys. Subscribe, like, notification bell. Got lots of fun content coming your way. Go check out UFC Fighters Reacting to Conor McGregor Trash Talk. Go check out UFC Fighters Reacting to Street beefs. we got a lot of unique stuff coming. I feel like I can say this now. Uh, Out by Sunday, we'll have Greg Jones, one of Gilbert Burns' coaches, doing a tier list, ranking Kamar Usman's greatest opponents. Uh, he also obviously trained with Kamaru for some time, so look out for that. Uh, most importantly, shout out to our audio-only listeners. You guys are the lifeblood of the show. We really appreciate all your support. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy UFC Vegas 18. We'll catch you next time. Gotta do the crappy outro, so stay tuned for everything fightful and so delightful.
4: Peace out